show me how simple you can make coaching a squat for grandma Betty or how you helped one of your clients get into a better position with a squat. That's a very different video than you just showing me a squat. Hello, welcome to the Physical Preparation Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Robertson, and I'll be joined on the line later today by Sam Pope. Now, before we jump into this week's episode, I want to give you a little insight as to what is new in my neck of the woods, give you a little session highlight, if you will, from the show. But let's start with what is new. And man, there's not a ton going on other than the weather finally warming up. I feel like spring is right around the corner. We had like a 66, 67 degree here day yesterday. It was beautiful. Got outside. Had a bunch of kids from the neighborhood running around, got to grill out. It was just an awesome day. Definitely looking forward to spring here in beautiful Indianapolis, Indiana. But with spring right around the corner, that means our indoor soccer season is over. I feel like both kids made some really big strides uh, the last couple months, and it's been really fun to watch them grow as young little athletes and as kind of the winter season transition into the spring. I actually got our outdoor uh, schedule for Kindle soccer team. So she's excited to get outside, get back with uh, some new teammates. she got some, some new teammates as well as some girls that she's played with in the past. So she's excited and fired up for that to start this weekend. Cade starts baseball this week. He's very excited about that. He claims uh, it is his favorite sport, which I feel like it always rotates. For me, it was always my favorite sport was ever sport I was playing at the time. For him, I feel like it's a little bit of the opposite. Whatever sport he's not playing at the time is actually his favorite. So we'll see. We've definitely gotten outside quite a bit already and, you know, hit off the tee, playing catch. He definitely enjoyed we were playing soft toss the other day. So if you have ever played baseball or softball, soft toss is basically just like a half step up from a tee. Instead of hitting off a tee, somebody is on a knee and just basically lobbing the ball in front of you, working on like hand-eye coordination But man, we did that one day last week, and that was the biggest smile I think I've ever seen on that guy's face playing a sport. So definitely excited for him, especially just missing all of last year due to the whole COVID situation. I'm excited for him to get out there and just enjoy baseball, enjoy being a kid. So that's that for kiddos. Coaching is going well. Excited to, you know, and believe it or not, in like the next four to six weeks, things are going to start ramping back up. I don't know when the the NBA crew will be back, but definitely going to start getting some of my college kids back. So excited to get them back in and get them training again. I got one of my guys who was in the NBA for a little bit this year back for this week. So it's nice to have Dakota back as he's kind of waiting on that next uh, opportunity as a free agent. Love seeing him. He's in great shape. Looks really good. And man, he just he needs a shot. Like that guy's a proven shooter. He's a scorer. He can get a bucket. So excited for him to get another shot. And then again, just hard to believe, but like 10 days from now, we go on our spring break, at least from when I'm recording this. So very excited to get just out of Indianapolis for a little bit. We're going to drive down, uh, spend a night in Huntsville, Alabama, see my guy, Andy McCloy and his family, hopefully either grab dinner or brunch or possibly both with them on the way down. And then it's just like a four hour jaunt to where we're going the next day. So excited to get out of here for a little bit and just excited to to make some memories with the family. I, I don't think I've ever been much of a material goods 
kind of guy. I don't like drive the fanciest car. I'm not into jewelry or watches. My, a lot of my buddies are into watches. I'm not really into any of that, as you could probably tell if you've ever hung out with me, but definitely enjoy the travel. And I enjoy doing stuff with my friends and my family. So definitely excited for that and hopefully make some memories that will last a lifetime. Now, that's what's going on. Now, before we jump into this show with Sam, I want to point out something that Sam talks about and that I think carries over to my career as well. And, and part of the title is, is talking about resilience. And I think regardless of where you're at in your career, there's highs and lows. There's situations that you're very happy with, maybe situations that you aren't as happy in or you're not as fulfilled in. But I joke around and I tell people that when I'm introduced, like, look, regardless of where you're at in the fitness industry, I have some idea as to what you're going through. I say that I've seen every nook and cranny of the fitness industry because, look, man, when I was coming out of school, I was a graduate assistant and I had an assistantship through our research lab at Ball State. So I've seen research. I spent two years in a research environment. That same time, I spent two, two and a half years as a volunteer and intern strength and conditioning coach at Ball State University. I left there and I went and did essentially rehab for three years. There's no two ways around it. I did a little bit of personal training. I did a little bit of sports performance training, but I did a lot of rehab from 02 to 05. Then I moved down to Indy, 05 to 08, and I'm doing basically one-on-one in-home personal training. Now I got some large group practice there because I got to work at one of the local high schools and I was their strength coach for three years. But man, like I've seen all of it. And then I opened a gym, (laughs) right? So I've been private, I've been public, one-on-one, small group, large group, high school, division one, college. Like again, I've seen all of these things, but it it's not the things that I've seen that's important. It's the fact that I, I feel like I have done my best to make the best out of every situation, good or bad. Because let's be honest, when I went to Fort Wayne and I did rehab for three years, that was not my ideal situation, man. I was a meathead. Like that was full Mike Robertson meathead syndrome. So all I wanted to do was lift heavy things, work with athletes, make people big and strong and fast. And for three years, I got to do that myself. I got to power lift a lot, but I learned almost nothing about that. But I learned a ton about anatomy, about doing assessments, about what we called corrective exercise at that point in time. And really all that was, was blending that gap between true rehab and performance training. So that three years was incredibly important for my development. Then I come to Indianapolis and I spend three years doing one-on-one in-home personal training. Well, that wasn't my ideal job either. But it got me in Indianapolis, so it was a step in the right direction. I learned a massive amount of people skills because now I have to interact, you know, for 45 minutes to an hour with people I have little to nothing in common with, like incredibly wealthy people. So, you know, I always joke around and there is no longer 60 seconds than that 60 second rest period when you have absolutely nothing to talk about with the client standing across from you. Like it feels like an eternity. You like keep looking at your clock and you're like, oh my God, oh, it's only been 15 seconds. What are we going to do for 45 more? What are we going to talk about? So I learned people skills. Uh, I learned how to get outside of my comfort zone, how to ask good questions. I learned discipline. Man, I was up at 4.45 most days of the week, clients at six, work till 7 p.m. That prepped me to open iFast. So as you're going through this show with Sam, 
I want you to reflect on not only the situations he's been in, but the situations you've been in, the situations you're in now. And I want you to ask yourself, am I making the best out of this situation? I think it's a really critical point. Are you getting the absolute most out of this situation? Because every situation is a learning opportunity. It's a chance for you to learn, to grow, to evolve, and to get better. Okay? So I hope you enjoyed this episode with Sam. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to jump into it. One thing Bill Hartman and I have talked about for years now is the power of mentorship. Early on, I didn't have a mentor to shape or guide me, or most importantly, help me find the blind spots in my own training and coaching. But luckily, after many years of trial and error, I found Bill, and my professional success exploded as a result. But the downside to the mentorship process, at least professionally, is that it can be pricey. For private mentees that I work with, it costs anywhere from $3.99 to $5.99 per month to work together. And while I know the results go far beyond that price, the fact of the matter is that just won't work for a lot of folks. So when Bill and I sat down a while back, we asked ourselves a really tough question. How can we help shape the future of the industry and truly make it great? And beyond that, how can we create amazing content yet make it affordable to virtually every trainer or coach out there? And the answer for us was simple. Restart iFast University. Here's what you'll get when you become a member of iFast University. One update each month from myself and Bill. This could cover anything from improving exercise technique to writing better programs and everything in between. Twice per month Q&As, where Bill and I will personally answer your questions to help you become better at training, coaching, or even running your fitness business. A Facebook group where you'll be surrounded by like-minded trainers and coaches who are serious about getting better, and access to the iFastU archives, where you'll be able to watch literally hundreds of pieces of content from the iFast team over the years. This blend of content and Q&A is specifically designed to help make you the best trainer or coach possible. If you're interested in learning more, head on over to ifastuniversity.com to get signed on. We'd love to have you on board. Sam Poe is a coach, mentor, and business developed strategist. Becoming a personal trainer led him down a path that includes training Cy Young Award winners, overseeing partnerships at Onnit, to overseeing the brand strategy at True Coach before they were acquired at a 9x valuation. He now coaches and consults as he and his team start up their next venture to deliver values-based stress solutions called The Choice Point. In this show, Sam and I bounce around across a bunch of different topics. We start by talking about his experiences at both Onnit and True Coach and how he's learned from both his successes and his failures. We talk a little X's and O's training and dive in as to how there's so much more to coaching than just cueing your favorite exercises. And last but not least, we talk about Sam's body transformation the past couple of months and dive in as to what he attributes his success to. The audio is a little patchy in places here, so I want to give you some apologies up front for that, but hopefully you enjoy our little chat together. Enough for me. Let's do this. Sam, man, thanks so much for coming on the show here today. Really excited to have you back on. It's been a while. So what's new with you, my guy? I think the last time we chatted was four years ago now. I was right in the peak of my time uh, traveling the world. I know, (laughs) aging you. Right in the peak of like travel time for, you know, traveling the world to 
now it's uh, unemployed and I or work for myself and I live at my parents' house. So, <laughs> you know, in between that, Austin to Boulder uh, to now here. So, man, quite a bit's changed, but all for the better right? yeah. in the long term of it. I love it. I love it, man. So we know that people will not go back always and listen to the first episode. So if they don't want to do that and we want to get them caught up to speed, just give us a little history on you. Just give us the background story, like how you got into this, the stops along the way. That would be fantastic. Yeah, I'm honestly, I just fell into this in 2008. There were no jobs. I went to school for business, ended up selling gym memberships at 24 Hour Fitness, got my first big kid job, got fired, uh, got into powerlifting, Olympic lifting, strongman competition, strong person competitions. I don't know what pronoun we're supposed to use there. Right. Uh, became a personal trainer at 24 for a number of years, decided F it, I need to get out of training and fitness. It's not the career I want. Move my butt to Austin, Texas on a whim. Uh, walk in the doors of this gym called DeFranco's Gym at the Onnit Academy. Was the very first member there. Came on board to work at Onnit, which is Joe Rogan's supplement company, is employee 42 at a $30 million company. Came on board to help run their education system, oversee partnerships, bring in partnerships with Exos, Equinox, Gold's Gym, UCLA, uh, left on it in a biz dev role uh, to go to True Coach, which is an online app to allow coaches to train people individual programming online, where I oversaw the brand strategy and the content strategy. Uh, we were acquired at a 9x valuation after a year. Uh, and then obviously during uh, the COVID situation, we had another pretty large uh, surge of growth. Uh, acquisition doesn't necessarily mean long-term employment uh, for you <laughs> if you are there. Uh, and it uh, wasn't always a fun journey to have that situation. And so in the process of starting up a couple new projects on my own, Boulder is a really expensive city to live in if you don't have a salary. You know, my parents, I'm 34, my parents are getting older. Uh, you know, if they live to average life expectancy, right, that's 72. Uh, that's 20% more of my life with them. So, you know, to be in a spot at 34 without kids, and to come back home and hang out with my parents and get to spend that quality time with them, given the circumstances of COVID isn't necessarily awesome, has been a very special experience. And it's just been kind of a wild ride of uh, reinventing yourself multiple times. As I look back, you know, I got back in November of 2020 and I left in November of 2014 okay. uh, from Portland to Austin. And I was like, Holy shit, that was a six-year run, right? <laughs> right like right. that was an intense six years because when I left, I was a trainer at 24. I had no idea who you were past a blog and you know, right. then to like travel around the world, being at all these events, doing the thing, it was like, holy crap, that was a lot in six. So right. super blessed and um feel very fortunate to have met the right coaches and the right influences in my life to either help get me to the next level because they believed in what I brought to the table or were a great stop to help educate and teach along the way. And I think that now my new mission is to help coaches find the right people because I feel so blessed what coaching gave me. I was a kid that really wanted to work in Major League Baseball and fitness opened up the opportunity for Major League Baseball to come into my life in yeah. a really cool way. So nothing but gratitude for this industry. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So one thing that I want to hone in on, because a lot of people listen to this show, you know, we're all at different stages in our career, right? Some of us have been doing this 10, 15, 20 years. Some have been doing this two, three months. So what I'm interested in and where I want to start today, and we're going to bounce around because I don't want to just pigeonhole you into any one area, but I want to talk about this move from Onnit to True Coach because you were obviously crushing it at Onnit, had a massive platform there, and, you know, so all of a sudden... 
you shift gears and now you're with True Coach. So what was your thought process there? Like, what did you want to get out of that role? How did you want to grow as a human, right? Not just as a coach, but as a human taking that position. Yeah, you know, I think, uh, and I don't know if it's necessarily my career, but it definitely, we're in this new world of fitness that beyond being a trainer, there's opportunities in fitness to really position yourself in these big companies, right? Me yep. being a trainer got me in the door at, on it in the right role yep. that positioned me like, oh, this dude's really good at standing in a conference room for four days and yelling shit at people and talking to people with intelligent conversations. Right. Oh, and he can do it all the time. Yeah. Here, just go, go, just, just get away from us. Right. <laughs> like right. you're really loud and annoying in the office. But, you know, for me, my big fear in my career was getting stuck in a sales role. Okay. And so on it, opening up the door to like business development where it wasn't like just gym sales. It wasn't just memberships or personal training. It was like, man, I'm sitting in the room with Mark Verstegen, right? Like I'm sitting there talking about with, uh, you know, executives at Exos being like, or Equinox and being like, holy crap, like this is like real deal stuff. Right. And that was a very different game. And I saw fitness as a great way into that. But I also was like, man, I want to, I want to be good at something other than just being extroverted and a good talker. <laughs> right. Which is what a lot of this is. I'm just really good at regurgitating information, really. Sure. And so the move to true coach was, man, all right, you want to play in this marketing sales role. And you went to the like, OK, you can go shake the hands and kiss the babies and get in the right rooms to put yourself in the right positions. And but you had huge support. Right. And it's like how. Yeah, it's on it. Right. Like Joe Rogan, it's crushing. It's cruising. Right. So it's kind of like, sure, you did it. Could someone else have done it? Maybe, right? But like, because there was so much momentum behind on it that like, when, you know, it's like when you're the director of strategic partnerships at that, like you're getting to go into every room. Like, because yeah, right. are you bringing Rogan? Because you might, right? right. No one knows. <clears throat> and only was it later that it was like, oh yeah, he might be the on it sales dude, but he's actually like can talk some training. He's actually a good dude. He does it the right way. I wanted the rumor going around around me to in the fitness industry to people like yourself. And you mentioned last time Lee, is that, man, I wanted there secretly to be like a, like, have you been hustled by Sam yet? Because he does it the right way, right? <laughs> like, that's how right. I wanted people talking about me was like, you know, born scenes in Colorado. We connected once he got, once I got there and it was just like, I want him being like, what's this dude about? I see him, I hear about him. And then it's just nothing but, oh yeah, he's good. And mm -hmm. so True Coach really became the, can you do the marketing side? Can you build a, a digital brand and prove it with emails and content and social media and messaging and put it together in this startup and do it? And like, I'm not a creative. So coming in as like a VP of brand is a stretch title at a startup where I'm employee nine. Like I came in like, look, I'm the VP of brand that gets you from zero to 50, not from like the guy that takes you from 50 to 100, right? right. It's because I truly felt from a marketing standpoint, I hate nothing more than watching these fitness platforms market to coaches and they might say, use copy and things that sell to a coach, but it's so much different than if it's coming from you, yeah. right? Like a blog can write, let's say it's true coach. It's just a, a copywriter. And they write an article on a, on a lunge, which it might be a good article on a lunge. But if I click on that name, it's like, I don't know who you are. Like it was, it was a nice article versus, Oh, if I'm on Mike's site and it's like, Oh gosh, you get into a single leg category on his blog like you, you just found like in 40,000 or 400,000 articles on single leg training right <laughs> on that yeah. website right so it's my way of proving because you know you I think the young kids I say young kids young trainers now new trainers they look sure content's a big thing now but it's always been a big thing it just changed games with social media yeah right like I would venture to say that mo like 
tell these kids about what it's like shooting content on a VHS where you're like, <laughs> yeah, I got like nine takes. I don't have a million takes of just turn the camera on and go because we, we got to record this thing, right? right? So for me, it was like, that was my move. It was like, I'm going to do True Coach and see if I can do it, right? And let me just jump into a whole new world, content, run the show. Here's the big picture strategy. Here's what I'm aiming for. I wanted it to be a, a community, a platform that obviously had a support, uh, like True Coach, like a, a product, but was going out in the industry and was like the gateway drug of like, here's exactly who you should follow in the industry, not because they have the biggest following or the best looking derriere in spandex <laughs> because Mike would win that every time, <laughs> but because like it's great information and it helps you do the thing that we all signed up for. Yeah. And I think, and I, I don't mean to ever talk bad about anybody, but I think one of the things you see from on it and saw from on it was the people who definitely come into it wanting something else. Right. They just want the exposure. And sure, you learned how to do a movement and you learn how to like look at an overhead press and maybe cue it the way we were talking about. But like that's not the art as to like why I chose to put you in a half kneeling position and why I'm choosing to use a landmine to get you a little bit extra reach and why, you know, like yeah. exercise selection. It's not that complicated, but it, like there is a craft and art to it. And I would I hated watching people come in and just bastardize it to the people like I had to work really hard to get to where I was. And I'm like, you guys talk about imposter syndrome and fear of con putting content out to clients. I go, I go, I'm going through my people who follow me. And I'm like, holy crap. Like there are some serious coaches who follow me to see what I'm up to. I'm like, I'm thinking twice about every single video I post. I'm like, jeez, if I'm going to play this on it game, I better at least play within the like strength conditioning rules. So it was also just a uh, man, I do Does it put me in a bigger position to own the role? to have a bigger influence on the market. And that's what that move really was. And uh, hopefully it did have it for the short amount of time I was there. Yeah, yeah. So this is something that, you know, you and I talked before the show. So I, I hopefully this doesn't bother you that I ask you this on air. But I think it's interesting because too often we assume that, you know, either immediately you get your dream job or you take like one lower level job and then you go to your dream job and it's just all mm -hmm. like on this up and up this linear path. And so you take the job with true coach, you guys are crushing it, right? Like there's no doubt about it. Like I promise when COVID hit, I swear every other ad that I saw was for true coach, right? So you're crushing it. All of a sudden you get acquired and you get let go. So I just want to know like, what was that like for you? And maybe after you get over that initial shock of just like, holy crap, did this just happen? What was your response after that? As much as like later, we can always look and say, well, my attitude was this. Uh, I was angry. I was really pissed, right? Because yeah. it was just like a, man, like what I love about sports is like, it's very clear on who wins, Yes. right? Like you scored the most runs, you put the most touch. Yeah, the call maybe didn't go your way, but you know what? At the end of the game, the scoreboard read this. Yes. Right? And I also love about sports is like, leave it on the field. If you bob the ball, you dropped it past, like, hey, I might be mad in the moment, but swat you on the butt, let's grab a beer afterwards, right? I, like, right. I'm cool with that life. It was tough having it be put on me the other way to, you know, I'm a pretty extroverted, um, social person. It's rare I don't get along with people. It was really unique coming into an environment that you felt just not wanted. Yeah. And to perpetually just be put in a position of like feeling like you're fighting for your life. Yeah. So when you, when you get done, it was just like, right. Like just, 
<laughs> on fire, yeah. right? Like, man, I am like, what, what? And for me, it's like the rational monkey brain, right? You're pumping into it. Like, what logically, what could I have done differently? And especially the ego, a part of it, right, is like, man, I, I couldn't have done anything differently. I was perfect. And we not like we all could have done things differently. Sure. I'm pretty aware of what I, my actions and what my decisions were that caused X, Y and Z. But it's still like, oh, like we want to fix it. And, yeah. you know, it really for me, it was especially because here's the thing. I love coaching. I really love training people. I love helping coaches. But when I left Portland to go to Austin to get out of the fitness industry, I did it with the idea of like I might love training clients, but it wasn't. I don't want to keep training clients every day. Like that's like yeah. that, that type of like my lifestyle, but on it and true coach gave me a way to like, keep spending time in it, adding value to it, really helping, but like not in the day to day of it. And so when this happened, it was like such a shock. And I'd always imagined having like a mentorship and online programs, but I wanted to do, I like doing it because I like to do it for me. Right. Not because I had to do it to survive. Yep. And so, like, I've been working on it, but, like, man, I just wanted to do it because I'm like, yeah, this is fun. Let's just do this instead of, like, oh, now I have to get going. Yeah. And so something I talk to a lot of new coaches about is, like, that when you jump into entrepreneurship and you jump into the world of working for yourself, the one thing I really want before you embark on that, I want you to look at the skill that you hate the absolute most in your day that you have to do and say, am I willing to do this most days of the week to achieve the thing I want? If I want to have a mentorship and I want to have online programs – and I want to do this, have a bigger following, do all the things. I don't mind shooting content, but like that means the linchpin of dysfunction for me is editorial project management. <laughs> okay. Yeah. If I want this life, that means I'm signing up to get better at this, right? How many coaches love the X's and O's of training and physiology and can talk to you all day about overload? And then when it comes to putting you on the floor and like working with the client, it's like, Ugh! right? Like, right. yeah, you may not have signed up for interpersonal communication skills and sales skills, but guess what? <laughs> That's going to take part of the you gig, a lot man. farther. Yeah. Let me introduce you to Mark Fisher, right? And <laughs> yeah. just like, yep, make sure you never speak behind this guy, right? Yeah. Because that's just who he is. So, you know, for me, it was a little shock of like, oh, what am I going to do? And I'm a big rash decision person. I'm like a... F it, let's go. And so I'm sitting in Boulder, a little angry. I'm like, and it's COVID, right? We can't go do anything. It's not like I'm going to like, we can go out and have a beer, right? right? Like it's like, eh. and so for me, I'm such a like, my attitude is do not bitch about where you are if you're not willing to work to get yourself out, right? Yeah. So it's like, I might be upset about the situation, but the fact of the matter remains, you need to get your ass in gear. You need to get this, some passive revenue streams up and going. You need to hustle up some consulting clients. You need to get some training clients going. Let's go. And so the weak side of that is you just try to hammer everything with effort. Mm. And as you get older, you can't do that. And I think I remember talking to you about it a while back, just about, I think I was talking about just your capacity to do content with kids and yeah. family. And I'm just like, you have to play dad, you have to play coach, you have to play husband, partner, business owner, business partner. I'm a productive human. And I'm yeah. like, you do all that with kids and a family. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> right. So for me, it came down to you got to learn how to get good at that shit now while you're 34 and single. Yeah. So that if you want to have your cake and eat it too around, have a fulfilling career as a coach or in the fitness industry, that when it is time for me to have a family, I'm able to put my time into it and like, all right, hey, I'm doing kid thing right now. Right. That's, you know, I grew up with a family that gave me a really great family life. Yeah. And so because they wanted to be parents. Yep. And so I think that's such an important lesson that going intentionally into it, you might want to be the next next Twitch star or next fitness 
trainer, you know, Bobby Stroop got a really cool spread in men's health because he trains Pat Mahomes. And like, that's super dope. But guess what? Homie's been training him since he was in fourth grade. It's not like it happened yesterday. It took 20 years for it to prosper. Right. Right. And so, you know, I think that the best perspective is the ups and downs, right? Because going from on it where life is crushing, where you're going into every room, like, man, I'm getting invited to parties with LeBron. And and I'm like, wait, I, I can't because I'm going to a Dodger game with one of the agents with a bunch of players. Right. <laughs> like, sorry, I can't go to that party. And you're just like, wow, holy crap to this new environment and you know it taught me to you know i think sometimes we think that the new thing or the shiny object releases the bullshit and you know i'm sure you talk to your guys about this in different sports i don't care if you're one of the best three-point shooters in the league to if you're man the 60th guy in practice squad in the nfl trying to grind like the bullshit's all the same right to if you're in a cpa at a firm right the bullshit is the exact same and you just got to sign up for what kind of bullshit you want and what you're willing to put up with for the thing. And so that was a great reminder as to what those experiences were like. We're like, man, you can be riding high. And it was like, man, it was a big move, right? Yeah. Like financially, it was a huge move. Moving across the country again, you know, it was like a big step up. And then for it to be the other end, right? Like, whereas on it, I didn't make any money. And it was like a, the coolest job ever. Right. And then Shrew goes, like, I make pretty good money. And it was like, I hated it every day. I hated it every day. I became, I, was, I mean, for me, I was such like a negative person. And yeah. that sucked. So, well, that's not your you know, personality. It, it's right? like, <sighs> absolutely. So it's it, now you can look at things ebb and flows that there's good and bad, right? Like John Baker, who's a partner of mine in a project, like he said this to me. He's like, dude, it's nothing worse when you get up to the plate and you see your shitty batting average on a jumbo shot in the center field. <laughs> and like, yep, I know I'm hitting like shit. Great. Over for his last 90. But here's the thing home runs can't feel good if strikeouts don't suck. Right. And I was like, it's a good point. Damn. That's real. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. And so think about, you know, I did look at years of you and Bill. There are years where it's been like, holy shit, we can barely hang on. Things are crazy. Dude, we're launching things left and right. And then all of a sudden there's years where like, holy shit, we got to like pivot. <laughs> like, yeah. this is like year one, week one. What yeah. are we doing? It makes you appreciate the times when they're really great and you're just humming. And the times where they're building. And I think no matter what, I hopefully that's a perspective you guys can look at your lives and careers with. And if anything, I've learned never make decisions off of money always make your decisions off of purely the long run. I know it sucks to put off short-term happiness for long-term gain. Right. But you consistently say like, how is this going to help me in the big picture? Because we're all in this elevator up in our careers. We can get off anytime we want. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you want to get off because you want to be a great coach in your local gym and just be a kick-ass personal trainer in whatever city, do it. That's awesome. Doesn't mean yeah. you're not going to courses. Doesn't mean you're not trying to put out content. You're just trying to be a great coach. If you want to get to the point where you're going to work for an education system until you become the master leader, you know, coach, that's there. But what reps do you have to put in to get there? There's going to be right. good in time. And if you get off that, that means you can't be upset about the other decisions that other people made. Yes. Right. Like, yeah. That was the hardest thing for me on it was watching how many people caught fire out of that place. Are you kidding me? It was like, A, how are you not posting on social media if you work for Onnit and play in the fitness space? One. Right. Two, it's like, holy crap. Right. People were, and it, this is disappointing to me to watch people come in and just like shoot videos and as if they're in on it. And it's not about copying moves because no one fucking taught the squat for the first time, but it's <laughs> like you're clearly presenting the information the way you just learned from a course we took and you're not even acknowledging it. Yeah. Like that's so disrespectful. 
right? I didn't come up with a front for elevated lunge, but if I remember an article that Mike Robertson wrote that I read, like, oh my God, guys, I hate, I got this, I saw this from Mike, you know, I've been using it for a while, but please go read his stuff if you really want to deep dive more on it, right? If you want to look yeah. at heavy sled pushes, like, hey, Joe's got some great stuff. You want to go look at eccentric loading, you know, external rotation of the shoulder, go to EC site, right? Like, right. honor the people that helped get you to where you are. And I think that's such a big thing. So always make your decisions in a way, you know, if we can look at, yeah, I hate to make it look this way, but from my career, from a networking standpoint, if you position yourself that way to always like, how can I honor that relationship or how can I put myself in a position to add value to that person, right? It may not feel like you're always winning the short game of getting your big breaks, but I promise you, you'll find yourself in such cooler positions, Yes. right? To like being in Indianapolis and to go to dinner one night, man, of all the people that Mike and Joe, Ken could have gone to dinner with, I got to go to dinner with them. Like, it's like, shit, man. Right. Like my buddy Seth was like, that's what I think you have in gold is the amount of dinners you sat with and like shit you talk and like the checks you have and like, damn, that's there. It's not like these people are out there not accessible, this inner circle of people. So, yeah, this, you know, this whole world of like, you know, undulations in your career and what's good and what's bad. There was always coming, right? You're going to get kicked in the face. You're going to get kicked in the nuts. You're going to get your toes stepped on. You're going to step on a Lego in the middle of the night (laughs) and not be able to go back to bed. And that's just part of it. But man, once again, to pull back and look at the cool years I had on it, right? Made, yeah, it sucked at True Coach for some period. I I met some great people at True Coach and Boulder was great for a period. Right. But like some of those experiences, like that, those cool experiences flying around the world for on it don't happen if I didn't eat some dirt as a membership guy at 24 hour fitness and, you know, do the personal training thing and go through that world. Right. Like if I don't do those things, I don't get the job on it because I don't have anything to talk to John Wolf about that might be a captivating conversation to where he might want to hire me. Right. Right. So every single conversation, every single perspective opportunity, right. Perspective only comes at a cost of time, energy, money, or pain as John Wolf says. And it turns into like, man, all those low times, all those good times, that's why I'm here on today or for the second time to be able to talk to Mike is because like, holy shit, over four, like we had to have a second conversation because we chatted for like an hour and a half last time. Like, oh, <laughs> right. shit, I got to go. Right. But if you don't have shit to talk about, you know, you're up to, it's hard to share. So that's what the good times and the bad times represent is the perspective to share later that you can hopefully either help someone else grow. So that way they don't go through the same trials and tribulations that you did, or maybe you're just shooting some shots in the air and giving everybody a warning. Like, hey, guess what? It's going to be hard, but here we go. Yep. I love it, man. Okay, so let's pivot a little bit because I want to talk some X's and O's training with you. I know, like you said, you've been in a lot of courses. You've been around a lot of people, got your own thing going. So for starters, let's talk mechanical advantage. What is it and why are you so freaking excited to talk about it? <laughs> you know, it was really interesting is I was, I was texting Mike and I was like, hey, how did you learn the concept of mechanical advantage and how many young coaches, young co- interns or new coaches do you see learning it? And we just talked about like the learning process of it. And it got to be, and I started bringing this up because I work out at home in my garage right now. And so I lift and my, my dad will be in the garage and he'd be like, oh, you know, they don't, my dad's not a gym guy. So he doesn't really understand what I'm doing beyond like sweating and like lifting objects. <laughs> right. And he's like, oh, what's that doing? I'm doing an overhead press. And as I think about just like a coach, if you're trying to explain something, you want to put it into a perspective that they understand. Okay, well, one thing that my dad and I do together is build projects, woodworking, right? Yep. Building projects, tables, and stuff like that. We live on a pretty good acreage, so we always have to build stuff around the house. And so it's like, oh, yeah, okay, think about this lever, right? And then think about this weight on the end of this lever. And now think about as I change distally or proximal to the center of my mass and how that changes where the fulcrum is going to be. 
that's going to change how much stress I can take, right? And he's like, oh, yeah. I go, well, now instead of me having to create a new corner to be a stronger corner to hold up the leg, think about I can create the leg out of just lifting more weight, right? And overloading that, right? right. So it's like, oh, right now the leg can only hold 20 pounds. Well, now I put 21 pounds on it and then 22 pounds on it and 23 pounds on it and 24 pounds on it, right? And it progressively, you know, develops the ability to be a stronger table to hold my fat butt up. And he's <laughs> like, oh, right now is it the perfect explanation of like mechanical stress and like physics and like lifting? No, but it, like it got the point across to him right and for me i started like really kind of thinking about that and realizing that while i played sports growing up i didn't like go to ifast as like a teenager and so it was like kind of like you did high school weight room stuff which we all know high school weight room stuff for most places and you know and for me it was like i was an undersized kid i wasn't strong so it wasn't a good place for me to like go try to bench because hey i just wasn't there like i was 116 pounds when i was 16 right and so it wasn't something that like I had this knowledge of. And so, but I played sports and I was athletic and I could do the things, I just wasn't developed. But by the time I got into fitness, when I got to 24 hour fitness, I thankfully was funneled into the world of Mark Ripito and Jim Wendler and that put a barbell in my hands. And that was like, oh, that whole lesson in you know starting strength is like mechanical stress and progressive overload and looking at the basic positions. And, and it was like, oh, that makes sense. Right. And so you're starting to see, oh, yeah, if I hold this weight really far away from me, it's going to be a lot harder to pick it up. Right. Right. And so it was just an application lesson in that. Right. Like, you know, yeah, we can look at like, well, the back squat has a compression force and it has a shearing force. And, it, you know, it's like that doesn't really matter. But knowing that, like, can you see that there's stress like, hey, yeah, a 400 pound barbell on your back is going to make it do this. And guess right. what? When your knees push forward, it's going to want to do this. So, right. Like you, you need to be able to think about your muscles buffer the ability for those in ranges not to be susceptible to their stress point. Yes. Right. And so I think as I went through, you know, my first certs were AFAA, USA Weightlifting, and, and NCSF, and they were basic CPT stuff, right? In the supine position, what's your horizontal pressing pattern exercise, or whatever they, they were to as, right? And you're like, right. eh, that doesn't really teach you anything, but like, it, it, right? Because, but there's not a translation between like, yeah, that's a bench press, right? But I came into that already lifting. So like, I was able to associate a lot of things, but I'm thinking for the kid, that person that didn't have a lifting background that just liked fitness and they just did like whatever workouts they saw and are trying to learn the science of it was like, Oh, that helps. And so as I've gone through my career and taught a lot of workshops and, you know, with on it being like the unconventional stuff, the maces, the clubs and the kettlebells, the kettlebells are not as much, but like all of that's offset loaded work. And that's purely examples of mechanical advantage, right? Like, right. hey, guess what? If you hold this mace with a sphere, it's really close to your center and you squat, you're going to feel a little bit offset load. But guess what? If you move that mace with that 10 pound ball in the end, 36 inches away from your center and try to squat, oh, this is called flexion. Right. So that means a squat is actually an anti-flexion exercise. And they're like, and so I'm just watching these light bulbs go off and like, whoa, I'm like, wait, okay, I get it. And I think where we're at now is there's so much great content out there that people know how to coach exercises and they might know what an exercise is supposed to look like. I wasn't seeing the ability to connect the dots as to why you would put someone in a half kneeling landmine overhead press instead of a barbell jerk for the day, right? right? Like right. got an athlete walking in the door and he's like warming up. He's like, man, coach, my shoulder feels kind of funny. I think I slept funny on it. And you had like split jerks on the day because you're in a power phase and you're like, yeah, no, you're a pitcher. It's already, a, I, you know, you're already playing it safe. So it's like, sweet, we're going to get down in one knee on a landmine. And you're just going to, right? And he's like, man, that felt awesome, right? And it's like, well, how did you know how to do that? And it's because I'm still just working or a vertical pressing pattern. And I just changed the base of support and I put him in a position I can guarantee he's always in a safe spot, right? And so right. as I'm looking at a teaching courses and, you know, I don't think I'm like this 
mechanics expert by any means. I think I've just been given a lot of perspective by a lot of great coaches. But as I'm watching even myself at the front of the room talking and teaching, like I've been able to teach at the NSCA kettlebell workshops to immersion groups coming in with physical therapy and master's degree students, right? And we're talking about why we choose the goblet squat versus a back squat or elevating the heels. I'm like, yeah, I, you know what? I don't know if you've ever taught in the Asian communities, but they're not a sarcasm humor place. They're very much a slapstick place. Okay. And so I was, you know, looking at ways to coach the squat. And I was like, hey, everybody wants to know how low you should squat. Well, yeah. Do I want everybody to squat ass to grass? For sure. I do hope that everybody can squat like y'all. But guess what? When you've got a seven foot basketball player, his butt ain't getting to his heels with any weight in his hand or on his back, especially. Right. Right. So I want him to go as low as he can until he looks like your dog that takes a poop in the park. I'm like, do we all know what a dog looks like that pooping in the park? Yeah, I go, yep, squat as low as you can right before you look that height. And they're like, <laughs> oh, right? I go, we're going to train that pattern really hard because that's what they have. And he plays basketball and we have to make them work. But then we're going to spend some time maybe either in off season or off day and exploring ranges and putting them in positions, right? And so it was hard to differentiate the rules, right? Around like, whoa, wait, don't put them in a position if they can't get in that position, the loading positions, where the information was. And I, and I started reflecting on like my journey through trying to learn and watch, you know, as you read about like intensity and you think about percent of one, one RM and you read a blog when you're young, you're like, well, shit, I got to figure out what that person's 80% is first before I do this thing. And it's like, I don't think sometimes they're realizing that it's like, yeah, it's relative. And you've also been doing it so often. You're kind of just like, it's kind of a guess based on what you're seeing. Right. And I think that, you know, looking at bar speed or movement speed is something that, and then quality was something that people just weren't able to connect all the dots, yeah. right? Like, yeah, you can do a squat. You do a bunch of squats really fast, but you, you keep like, and it's not a big deal that your legs cave, but you're not asking them to cave or the goal isn't for them to cave right now. And you're doing it just, it's sloppy. You're not able to control the eccentric phase of the movement, right? So there were just, it wasn't that people didn't understand elements. It wasn't that they didn't, you couldn't show them a video and say, hey, well, you see what's going on here? And they shake their head, yes. But then the dots weren't connecting. And an example I want to give is I was at a course and an example got put up on a board of a weak split, right? And it's a heavy CrossFit driven type of place. So it was a lot of maybe not necessarily uh, preparation stuff. Right. But he was like, all right, I want to see your feedback on this program. And, and there's one thing I want to see if anybody can get. And, you know, they're fine. It's whatever. And like no one's raising their hand around like the outlier of the program. And so I raised my hand. He's like, what? I go, it's all flexing. Like all you're doing is bending in multiple positions. He's like, yep, exactly. I had three people come up to me after that and like, how'd you know that? And I was like, uh, well, he's doing deadlift and tota bars back to back. And then he's doing RDLs and like burpees. And it was like, all they're doing is this, right? right? And so it was like, uh, so then it, it's not that that's a big deal, but guess what? I, I probably know that I know what's going to get toasted first, yeah. right? So it was that, right? And so that became my journey of, is that the linchpin for us of helping coaches visualize stress? and understand the difference between good, better, and best. Mm, yeah, no, I like that. And um, I think just making exercise selection easier. Okay, so I want to circle back on one thing here because you make a great point. I think as a community with the influx of the YouTubes and Instagram and all the media platforms out there, it's easier than ever to learn exercises and learn how to coach exercises. But what I think a lot of people struggle with is the principles behind it right? So to a lot of people, and look, there are differences between a goblet squat, a two kettlebell front squat, a front squat, and a back squat, right? We can all agree with that. But what most people fail to recognize is the fact that, hey, we're still training a specific pattern, right? Rules change as far as coaching and, you know, the center of gravity and maybe the cues that we're going to use, but it's all kind of from the same genre or the same family. So 
What I find a lot of people struggle with is, oh, hey, we're going to bench. Well, what happens when somebody can't barbell bench? You don't have like a system. You don't have like an upgrade, downgrade, progression, regression type system. It's like, oh, we bench. What if they can't? Okay, well, we'll back squat. Oh, well, what happens if they can't back squat? Like, I think this is kind of what you're getting at to some degree is we've learned these these exercises and they're kind of locked in, but we don't understand the principles. We don't understand like, okay, what is on the table, what's off the table, how do we adjust the workout? And that's where you go from just like the scientific X's and O's technical side to there's an element of an art to it and knowing what somebody can handle, but there's also that systematic approach to, hey, look, man, a supine press is a supine press. Like, I don't really care. Yeah, there's better and worse options, but at the end of the day, if that's what I need, I'm just going to find the option that you can do safely and effectively. Yeah, 100%. I, and I don't want people to think, I don't think they know what they're doing, right? And that's not the thing, but like, I guess I'm looking at you going, okay, how do we help? Because you've been coaching coaches longer than I have, one. But two, it's just like, you know, when you're coaching, all the, when you're working with interns, right? Like, how do you help them understand versus like, you guys work with everyday people just as yeah. much as you work with NFL and, you know, soccer players where it's like, Grandma Betty, hey, guess what? You know, especially during COVID, you weren't able to do your bench press because you're not here at the gym. Like, can you do push-ups on your counter or whatever, right? Like, right. how do we help people understand how to make those swaps and switches? Yeah, yeah. And I think this is where, too, I think part of part of working with young coaches, and this is definitely something I've learned over the years, is it's getting harder and harder to have your own thought process, right? Like you have to you have to trend or gravitate to somebody and you have to follow a system versus dude, there were no systems. Like I, I get that I'm old, but like when, you know, division one colleges, when I was working in that space, <laughs> it was like, okay, are you a powerlifting or an Olympic lifting based program? That's all there was. You know, like Westside and Louie and mm-hmm. Conjugate, all that stuff was starting to get a lot of traction at that point. But man, if you worked at a D1 college, you were either more Olympic lifting based or powerlifting based. Nobody was talking about functional training or single leg training. It's like part of this is just taking all of the cards off the table and just saying, hey, look, if I want to build somebody from the ground up, what tools do they need? Okay, these are the things they need to be able to do. Okay, perfect. Now, what tools do I have access to? Boom. Like laying out your own system versus getting so caught up in, oh, I, but I know how to coach a bench press. I can, I can coach an awesome hip thrust. Like, Hey man, coaching exercises, like that's entry level stuff. Like if I can't teach you that as, as a coach, as a mentor, then I'm not doing my job. My job is to teach you the principles that supersede and, and work as a, an umbrella over all those things. Okay. Sorry. I'm, I'm off the reservation here. I'm going to shut up. I want to talk to you next. about. I I want to talk to you about this body transformation, my guy, because you have been killing it lately. Huge change in just your physique, how you look. So talk to me a little bit about what got you started on that path. And then I know a lot of other people are on the same journey, right? Like, what are you doing that's helped you see success? Yeah, thank you so much. It's super blessed for the way the world is right now. It allowed me to really focus in on myself a little bit, right? Yeah. So when you're traveling all the time, on the airplanes all the time, and especially when you're in a business development role, you're out at dinners, glasses of wine, having a beer, you're connecting. And you know, you have all the people out there who say like, you don't need to drink when you're in sales. And I'm like, well, <laughs> go close more sales than I have. And we'll have a very different conversation, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> that's not the game we're playing right now. And so, you know, it's part of being social and connecting and whatever, you don't have to have alcohol, whatever. But, you know, for me, it was, I always said, you know what, I'm okay if I was a little soft, I'm okay, like, and I was able to say that because I was 
I'm fairly strong in like yeah. a everyday person. Like I'm not like world class strength, and I move pretty well. So I can get away with like putting on some weight and like, well, he's still gonna do some shit, right? right. So like, and so I, I recognize there is that element to it. And I always post it on social media because I just film. I like to work out by myself, and so I film myself so I can coach myself. And I'm like, oh, something to say. And then it was like. All right, if, if my life ever became really controllable, I would like count calories, right? But for the most part, like I'm not that concerned about it. Like I'll just kind of go with the flow. And then when freaking the world got shut down, it was like, oh, maybe this is a good time. And I've been really struck suffering from a lot of sleep issues. I don't sleep very well. I get like five hours of mediocre sleep a night. And it was like, and there's some days where it's like really bad. And you're just like, oh, fuck, okay. And wearing an aura ring and a whoop band and just, you know, just seeing it. And you're like, oh, man, that almost stresses you out more because you see the negative score. Right. But it was really bad. And it, like stress played such a huge role. Like just at True Coach, it was just like my sympathetic drive was just on overload. Yeah. And I did this P-test from Thorn and it came back like, yeah, your melatonin is non-existent at night and your cortisol is through the roof and mm. your cortisol is non-existent in the morning and your melatonin is through the roof. And I'm like, oh, sweet. So my body is doing the exact opposite of what it's supposed to. That's great. And, you know, it was really interesting as I as I approached this because I was like, man, I'm going to get some help. I want I need help with this. And I looked at the process of achieving the next goal. And it was purely for sleep. It wasn't yeah. necessarily about body composition. Like, sure, would I like to be leaner? For sure. I don't, but like, it doesn't jeopardize like who I am, whatever. And it was like, I ended up talking to Dr. Mike T. Nelson, who's a good friend of mine, and he, his PhD was in metabolic flexibility. So the fuel switching between fat and carbohydrates as you move, right? Yeah. And so, you know, we're just really close and, you know, he's super nerd, like, you know, ended up, had a, a master's in biomechanics because he was doing a bachelor's in mechanical engineering, was bored and was like auditing <laughs> master's level you know, physiology classes. I'm like, oh, you're really good at school. That's not me. <laughs> um, but I was like, I like that he played on like, okay, I, you look at my blood work, you'll work on, you work on, he's motivational interviewing driven, right? In terms of his coaching style, he plays like in kettlebells and powerlifting. He's so he meat heads out, but is also going to help me. Like, it, it's not just about me learning how to squat better right now. It's right. like, hey, there are some things I really need to fundamentally work on to get my thing back in rhythm. And so I was like, all right, here we go. So it was like in April or May, I just said, let's do it and sign up for coaching. And it was, you know, really nice when you're not, you can't go out to eat. You're not going out and seeing people. I don't have kids. I lived alone. It was like, it's really easy for you to like count your calories, right? And it's like, what, are you missing out on a burger and fries that you couldn't have gotten or you didn't get, right? So it just became right. like, let's try it. And I like working out. It's like a, it's a vehicle for me. You know, it's, I recognize that fitness is a self-selected group of people who choose to move their bodies because it's part of their value system. And we're trying to help motivate other people to get into it. And so it was something I've already been in, obviously, for a long time. So it was easy to, like, go harder at. Yeah. You know, when, I'm tr when you're yeah. on the road all the time, like, I'm not doing some sort of fancy program. Right. Like right. think about it was like being an in-season baseball player when you play 28 days every 30. Yeah, you're lifting, yeah. but you're like, you're not lifting, lifting. And you're right? at you're hotel gyms. Things, and it was. It's, it, you're in hotel yes. gyms a lot of the yes. times, right? Mm-hmm. You know, during this process, I had a really unique lesson in energy systems, right? Like as a power lifter, you have an idea of what energy systems are and you have an idea around like what your glycolytic process is and your lactic thresholds are and your alactic thresholds and your aerobic capacity. And like if I went, I did a Cooper run test and I score in the excellent category and I'm built like a South Park character. I am not meant to go run long distances, <laughs> but I'm a fairly strong athletic human. So like I can go run my ass for a mile and a half. And so it's like, damn, man, like I can do that. I can pump a 2K pretty good. I rode in college. 
But, oh my gosh, like we, we're fo- mostly focusing on just building a big aerobic base, right? And just kind of like small medleys of exercises and just slowly increasing density and volume and building that capacity. And it was like first few months I was getting my ass handed to me, right? I can go pull 400 any given day on a barbell, but like ask me to do like four sets of 225 of five reps. And I'm like, I'd be smashed, right? Like I just right. can't handle that much volume. It was like, oh, Wow. Okay, you can't buffer very well, right? right? Uh, your recovery is kind of garbage. And so it became, you know, leaning into it, right? Like I'm willing to, when I got to on it, I was willing to lean into movement, this movement world, because I was a power lifter. I was like, well, if I can move through this full range of motion with a barbell on my back, I don't necessarily need to do this because strength is going to keep me from getting into positions I don't want to be in. But then, you know, there was a lot of great learning from like learning how to move in better positions and positional awareness and just stimulating the nervous system. And there's a lot of great content around, you know, relative strength and just being in different positions. Right. And it was like, oh, okay, there is that piece of the puzzle. And so constantly it was like, it was fun. You know, you don't realize how much learning and doing changes. Right. So for me, it was just like, hey, there's never going to be an opportunity like this again. Right. At 34, single, live alone or now at my parents' house. Right. There's no other where I literally haven't seen anybody else but my parents since uh, November when I got here. Right. Oh my gosh. Uh, and so my parents are in great health. And so, you know, I want to make sure I'm safe for them. And last thing I'd want to do is jeopardize them. And so it's like, if this is what I can do to control it, let's do it. Right. right. And then by now I'm like on month nine. It's like, you know what? I don't really mind counting my calories. Right. right. And I'm kind of learning a little bit more around you know, habits and accountability and even just improving my understanding of like protein synthesis around, you know what I mean? Like you hear the terms, you're like, oh yeah, two grams of leucine and you get some, you know, muscle protein synthesis spike and that and exercise and we can drive that up and we're really trying to push, you know, and like you see it and hear it, but then you start doing it, especially like in the Metflex stuff with Mike where it's like, yeah, there's stuff where I'll do like a, a circuit, a cable circuit in the morning, you know, nasal breathing, not because nasal breathing, anything other than a governor to keep me from like trying to win yes. and, and yes. go too fast. Yeah. And it keeps me from going too fast and because otherwise i'm like i want to win the workout and then i hammered on a conditioning day that's like 15 minutes you're like you need to do 30 rounds you needed six right but to go and like oh man you could only three three rounds in 12 minutes to now six rounds in 16 minutes to be able to change all these elements and have like a great process for me again was just that move and that you know why not right right we're in this time i I didn't want to come out of this time and say and i get if you have kids whole different ball game than if you're like me like but i got buddies who like play five hours of video games a day and i'm like what i i don't understand that like when i come out when we come out of this thing i'm coming out like a whole different person i might have got my ass handed to me in the last year and a half two years but like let's you know what i mean yeah that's it like how many people have said we just don't have time. And I get that if you're homeschooling and trying to run a business, doing the thing, there's less time with a toddler, right? right. My parents have a three-year-old here every week. And I, I see what a three-year-old is like for some <laughs> days of the week. So, right. But still, how many people lost an hour commute a day? How many people lost, right, having some of those things to where it's like, we'll never, ever be able to say we didn't have time. You want to start that blog? Yeah, this was the most time you'll ever have. Didn't yeah. mean your life was set up for it, right? But time just got wiped out. Yeah. And I'm a big, like, put your money where your mouth is. I love it. I love it. Okay, so been on the show before. We've done the big question. So let's take this in a different direction. If you can give a young coach or trainer one piece of advice to make them more successful, what would it be? Learn how to ask really great questions. Mm, yes. In a world where everybody's accessible now because of DMs and Instagram, it's not like I'm emailing info at Robertson Training Systems. Hopefully it's you. 
right? right. Or info at iFast and, hey, Mike, love your podcast, right? And it's no longer predicated on them having to be an indie or show up at your door, right? Which is a different ball game. And so the opportunity to learn has never been more accessible from anyone out there that you want. And there's not a shortage of people asking questions. There's a shortage of people who did their due diligence and ask really good questions, right? If you're yep. someone that's a fan of Mike's work and has been following him for a while, right? The guy's got 10 billion articles on his website and has contributed a million others, right? And so, okay, if you like his work, go through, figure out a topic that you want to talk about, read every single article on the split squat that you can and get a good perspective and then come to him and figure out, okay, maybe what was missing or maybe something you don't quite understand. Hey, Mike, just read this article, this article, this article, really got a lot out of it. This is what I really took away from it. Still having a hard time understanding this, would love an opportunity to take you to coffee, Zoom call with you, have five minutes if you have time to respond. Would love your perspective on this. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much. Really appreciate all the free content you put out. It's really helped me as a coach. And if you're scrolling through your DMs or emails of all the things you're going to sit on the couch at the end of the day and you may not want to or on the pooper or whatever, <laughs> and you're going to respond to someone, like, damn, man, that person took some great time to do it. Like they did their due diligence, yeah. right? Like yeah. coming from the app world, I get quite a bit, like consult for apps. And like, man, when someone comes in, hey, dude, I listened to five podcasts you've been on and I read 10 of your articles, love everything about you. Here's what I want to talk to you about. Wow. Right. That's a very different conversation than, hey, you want to you want to uh, talk to us about this app? Uh, right. So <laughs> right. learning how to ask good questions is because inevitably, like unless you're in front of them and you walk in front of Mike at, you know, an NSCA event or whatever to where you can like handshake. Hey, how you doing? You can play the body language game. We don't have that. Right. So I always looked for me as like I talked about my social media and having people I really respect follow me. And I've always looked at what I post as my digital handshake. And mm, so, sure, yeah. I may not just spend every day of the week with Mike, but if he's like, OK, I've uh, heard about this guy and oh, OK, let me see what this guy's about. And like she's going to get a pretty good idea of what I'm about based on what he's seeing me post about. Right. Like, yep. OK. And I think that one thing young coaches and new coaches, I hope you learn is that really good coaches and people who've been in the game can see past extraneous bullshit, right? Like mm, yeah. simplicity is the ultimate form of sophistication, right? Don't impress me with how, if you're super strong, show me how cool strong you are. I want to see that shit. But like, show me how simple you can make coaching a squat for grandma Betty or how you helped one of your clients get into a better position with a squat. That's a very different video than you just showing me a squat. Yeah. Right. And getting really good at understanding the messaging and that way it's like wow they get it they get it that it goes beyond because yeah they're talking about doing the squat and they're talking about here's a workout they're giving people but what he said about hey don't go so low that your butt makes you look like a dog taking a crap in the park is like <laughs> oh what a great way to help people stay from going to whatever right, right. like and that's what i'm looking for. like how well did he coach that i was like oh what an interesting like i'll look at some of Vern griffin stuff i'm like wow what a great idea a lateral lunge and then you have a you drag a plate in to you know get the abduction like that was right that sucked you know and so it's just like being able to say like what are they really doing from that is it the exercise that's cool or is it the right the thing they're saying and i think that learning how to ask great questions opens the door to people to get better information and put you in a position to grow because no one gets through this industry by themselves. We all need help somewhere, somewhere from someone. And the better you are 
at returning the favor or honoring those that helps get you to where you are, the better it looks, right? Like, I don't want you don't be one of these people that goes through and like, like, shit, don't honor where you have been, right? If you learn how to do this crap from IFAS because you intern, right? Shout it out. Be the guy, right. be that community. Right. So that's where it really comes down. Just learn how to ask great questions because that people are accessible and they want to help. Absolutely. But they want to help people who care. Absolutely. All right, my guy, up against the clock here, but I want to make sure we get our lightning round in. So let's jump in. Number one, I lived with my parents for like five months after I graduated with my master's. It was definitely a different experience than when you're 18. So what has that experience been like for you? Having snack food around all the time, like the food that you would, <laughs> like mom wants to fill the house with when you're 18 and you're crushing when you're an 18 year old pound, like doing everything yes. to like, I'm a 34 year old counting my calories. Please stop buying Doritos. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, awesome. I don't have self-control and I'm trying to be really good. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's funny. Okay. Number two, for the possible entrepreneur in the future, what are the pros and cons of working for yourself? Man, the pros definitely is you get to put yourself out there and you get to see your ideas come from zero to fruition. Yeah. The downfalls, the, the negatives of being an entrepreneur is in order to do that, you're going to have to get really good or adequately good at something you really hate doing, right? If you hate writing or if you're a coach that wants to get into online coaching but you fear face-to-face -face sales and that's why you think online is your version guess what you're gonna have to get really good at digital marketing and probably being on camera which is just like being in sales so right. if you want to be a great coach you're probably gonna have to be good at sales yeah yeah that's such a great piece of advice like it's one thing people fail to recognize is like hey look you can be the best coach in the world and be absolutely broke as a joke because you haven't learned those other skills necessary to keep things alive. So love it. Okay, number three, I'm going to call out to your uh, Instagram here. But how bad does that lunge row circuit that you do for cardio suck? Oh, my God, it's so much, right? Especially when you're stiff, right? Huh. Your torso is kind of stiff and you're constantly like, oh, those days you can really feel like your hip stepping back into that lunge. And I talked about like my lactic threshold, like early in, yeah, my quads don't like doing like 75 extra lunges a day. Right. right? Like, like, Ooh, right. And step ups and RDLs and you're, my feet are like, my feet are tired. My hamstrings are kind of tired. Like your yeah. leg, my legs are kind of like just tired all the time. So yeah, it's definitely, but I will say it's better than running because yeah, it's cool fair. to get to see your process, right? Yeah. So no, I'd much rather do something like that than run. I always joke around. The only reason I played sports is because there were balls involved and you get to chase a ball. If it was just running for sport, I would never have done it. Okay. Last but not least, number four, what's next for Sam Pogue? Big project I'm getting ready to launch, doing some online coaching, launching a mentorship, online programs, doing the thing. But I'm launching an app called The Choice Point, and it is we're digitizing stress solutions through values, helping you discover your values. So oh, essentially, cool. I'm partnered with the head of the director of player performance for the Pittsburgh Pirates, John Baker, who played 14 years in MLB, was just the mental skills coordinator for the Cubs. Carlos Quentin, who is a 14-year professional baseball player, two-time All-Star, who just finished his MBA, University of California, San Diego. Seth Gibson, who is a technologist, work at like Riot Games, EA Games, Facebook, Intel. And essentially what we're doing is helping you discover your values, the things that you value in life. And we want to help incentivize you and push you into taking action to live out those values. And we see this through the lens of the work of Stephen, Dr. Stephen Hayes. Uh, he's got a great book called The Liberated Mind. 
and it's through a, a process called acceptance and commitment therapy, which is stems off of cognitive behavior therapy. But instead of just focusing on the, the mindful piece and wrapping your mind around something and processing is pushes you into action. So essentially we want to, hey, Mike, here's a, let's put a list of values in front of you and figure out which ones that are most important to you. And then let's figure out how we can push you into taking more action towards those uh, awesome. and incentivization. So we just came out of a, an accelerator at UCSD and we'll be raising money this spring. That's the big project that I'm working on. So we're super excited about that uh, going forward. Dude, that sounds awesome, man. Definitely keep me posted on that because that sounds awesome. Okay, well, Sam, as always, great catching up with you, my guy. Where can my listeners find out more about you and all the great stuff you've got going on? Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Sampogue.com, S-A-M-P-O-G-U-E on my website and then Instagram, S-P-O-G-U-E-8-6. You'll be able to find everything you need. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Sam, it was great, buddy. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Awesome, dude. Have a great day. my friend that does it for this week's show with sam really hope you enjoyed it he's always a pleasure to catch up with and i hope you enjoy hearing a little bit about his journey and we talked about it up front the successes the failures and just being willing to learn and grow from every step along the way ryan horn is very famous for saying be where your feet are and whether you're in the best possible situation or the worst possible situation as far as your career goes do your best to learn from it to get better, to grow and evolve, because eventually the things that you're learning now are going to pay dividends later on. So one small favor to ask, if you enjoyed this episode, please take two seconds out of your day, share it with a fellow colleague, a friend, a family member, maybe it's another trainer, coach, rehab professional, somebody that would benefit from hearing Sam message. If you could take literally two to three seconds out of your day, forward this onto them and just say, hey, look, I enjoyed this show. I, I think you will as well. I would greatly appreciate it. So my friend, as always, thank you so much for your support. Love and appreciate you. And we'll be back soon with our next episode. Take care.